today at ready.gov plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. You're tuned to 94.5 KULTLP. What's up, everybody? It is a Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on 94.5 KULT. Everything you and I, I am, of course, your well-renowned host or world-renowned host, nationally syndicated radio show host, Logan Blackman. Uh, We are here live from Cedar Falls, Iowa. It is 12.05 here at the beautiful campus of the University of Northern Iowa on this Beautiful, and I cannot stress beautiful enough for this February 21st edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I did not wear my coat today. I walked out of the house today. I had my winter coat on, and I left the house, and I was like, Jesus, it is too hot for, it's too nice to be wearing a winter coat today. So I ran back inside, threw that thing off, and started walking to class. Now, that might have something to do with the fact I'm dressed like I'm going to a funeral because I'm rocking all black. I got black socks, black pants, black sweatshirt, a black shirt underneath my black sweatshirt, and I got my sporting Kansas City jersey on. And I know you listening are like, Logan, what color are the shoes? Uh, Well, the shoes are actually red. Thank you for asking. But the real question we are all wondering is, Logan, why are you wearing a sporting Kansas City shirt? They're not in action for another week. You said that on Wednesday. Their sporting Kansas City is not playing until next Saturday on Leap Day, which happens every four years. So last year, this game wouldn't be a thing. No, it'd be moved to another day, obviously. But we have the 29th of February this year. MLS kicks off next week. We're in the CONCACAF Champions League stuff right now. But league play starts next Saturday. How exciting is that? February 29th and March 1st, we'll have MLS action, but that's, we're going to preview that more next Friday. I just want to talk about that away a little bit because I'm excited. It's an exciting time. I know we talked about this a little bit on Wednesday, I believe, of we miss the NFL and we miss college football. To some, this stretch between mid-February and August is the worst time ever. Some people just don't know how to how to move on from the great American game football. Some of us do. Some of us move on and find other things to do, like watching soccer, baseball, basketball, and hockey are closing their seasons down. There's other like UFC and boxing events that are going on. So people make do with what they got, but some people are just a a mess. But that's why I'm here. Because this gives you an outlet for two hours to forget about the fact that you are not watching the NFL or college football. Until we get to the part of the show where we talk about the NFL. But other than that, you'll forget all about it because you'll listening you'll be listening to my smooth, elegant voice for the better part of two hours. 
But I am excited for MLS kicking it off next week. And to start the show today, we are going to talk about something soccer, but not <laughs> not MLS. We'll get to some MLS stuff in a little bit. We'll talk about the games. We won't go in depth about the games, but we'll talk we'll talk about the games that are coming up. But <laughs> this got released today. Now, if you are a soccer fan and follow some sort of soccer account on social media, whether it be Instagram, Twitter, maybe even Facebook, if you like a soccer page like ESPN FC or something like that, or, I don't know, Bleacher Report, football, or whatever they call it there, you would have seen Martin Braithwaite for Barcelona. Now, if you don't know who Martin Martin Braithwaite is, you are not alone, because there's a lot of people out there that don't know who Martin Braithwaite is. Now, the reason I know who Martin Braithwaite is isn't just because of today. When I was younger, this is a while ago, I went out on FIFA career mode. I went out to create an all-Afro team captained by my hero, Marijuana Fellaini. So, obviously, he was the striker. Now, he doesn't have an Afro anymore, but his FIFA card has never been updated. He was on Toulouse, and then you, I heard about him again because he was on Toulouse at the time. I'm a big fan of Premier League soccer. Grew up watching Manchester United. They were the only team on TV when it came to soccer. So I watched a lot of Manchester United fan growing up. So I'm a big Manchester United fan. And he signed for Middlesbrough. They they got back up to the Premier League. They signed a bunch of players from all over the globe. Like It was just a bunch of really weird players that didn't really fit into this Middlesbrough team that they had. That season, Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough ended up getting relegated. And he played, a, I, think a, I think he did play a little bit in the championship. Or maybe he played in the championship and then left. I don't. I don't remember the exact details. But he did not do good at Middlesbrough. And matter of fact, he hasn't really done good anywhere since he left Toulouse, what, about five years ago? Is that what it was? Let's look at the date. Oh, geez, not five years ago. It feels like five years ago, but no, about three years ago. And he went on loan to Bordeaux, Lagunez, and he signed permanently for there. 24 games, scoring six goals. And I know Barcelona has some injury woes at the moment, but you could have gotten somebody better than Martin Braithwaite. You're Barcelona, for crying out loud. You could draw anybody to your team. Now, I know a lot of people aren't going to willing to sign, but there's a reason you got Martin Braithwaite, because no one else wanted to get rid of their players because he's not important to the team. And then he came out today and did his little... So when a soccer player signs, it's more in Spain. You don't really see this in, like, the Premier League or anything. But when they sign in Spain, they do, like, this skills thing. So they'll do, like, a bunch of headers. They'll juggle the ball in their head. They'll juggle the ball a little bit with their feet, show off their skills, do a couple rainbows, do a couple around-the-world type things, dribble back and forth. Something that I was never very good at growing up, and when I was playing soccer, it was something that would get me made fun of quite a bit around our practices. One of my good friends, Joseph Derry, is a very good, he's a very skillful footballer, and he could juggle a lot. And it didn't help that we were really good friends, because every time I would try to juggle, I'd get like, this is going to be a... Uh, well, I get like eight or something like that. Maybe you get double digits every once in a while. 
So around practice, I would get made fun of. If you watched Martin Braithwaite and you had the same skill level of me juggling a soccer ball, you would have felt like you could have signed for Barcelona. My dream of signing for Barcelona is still alive and well. I mean, I never really had a dream of signing for Barcelona, but it's not out of the realm of possibilities now after watching that video. Goodness gracious, you are a professional soccer player. You've been playing soccer your entire life. You're 28 years old. Your youth career started back as, well, probably farther back than this, but 2007 is on your Wikipedia page. You can't juggle more than... It looked like I went out there for Barcelona and showcased my quote-unquote skills juggling a soccer ball because that's what it looked like. Now, compared to the average person, I thought I would do pretty well. I am I'm better than, I would say, most people that have never touched a soccer ball before. I am confident in saying that. But as far as other soccer players, I think he is one that I can actually compete with in juggling. <laughs> and that's not a good thing. I retweeted the video on the Logan Blackman Show Twitter account. And so you should go look at that because it is a awesome video. And if you struggled juggling a soccer ball when you were younger, or if you still do now, it is a great watch. It is a great confidence booster because he's a professional playing for one of the biggest teams in the world in Barcelona. He's going to play with Messi. I didn't think I would be able to say that when he signed for Middlesbrough that he would be playing with Lionel Messi. Oh, my God. That's funny. That video was awesome. I loved it. I loved every second of that video. But let's go to let's talk about a league that's more suited to Braithwaite's level than Barcelona, and that's the MLS. That's not a slight on the MLS. It's more of a slight on Martin Braithwaite because he's not he doesn't deserve to play for Barcelona. Such a weird signing. I get they have a bunch of injuries, but you could have gotten someone else. I mean, at least get someone on loan or something. I don't know. So we had a lot of weird signings this this last window. I know they granted them permission to get a player outside of the transfer window because of the amount of injuries they did have. Manchester United signed Odeon and Gallo, who they were actually targeting a few years ago when he played for Watford. Now it's just a weird signing from Shanghai Shenhua from China, which I only remember because Didier Drogba used to play there and Manchester United used to play them in preseason games. So that was when I first heard about them. Now they're when China signed a bunch of players from Europe and South America and stuff like that, then we started hearing about it a lot more. But, yeah, so there's been a lot of weird signings that don't really fit with the team. Like, it's just been this entire year. Mario Balotelli signing with Brescia. I mean, he, I know he's from there. It's his boyhood club or whatever. But it's just weird. He said he was going to win the Ballon d'Or at one point. He was playing for Manchester City, AC Milan, Inter Milan, and now... Brescia. Taking a step up in the world, Mario. It's it's just been a weird year for soccer, say the least. It's I don't know, players are signing places where they don't really fit, and Martin Braithwaite is the latest one to do so. But enough about that. Let's talk about positives. Again, MLS season kicks off next week. Again, more in-depth preview come next Friday. So stay tuned for that, because it will be in-depth. Go over each game, preview each game. For, for right now, we're just going to talk about each. We're going to tell you what the games are, 
without going too in-depth about it. So the first game of the MLS season is on the 29th, as you should know, because I've said it like five or six times. It's DC United hosting the Colorado Rapids. Now, DC United, without Wayne Rooney, went back to England, is now the player manager of Derby County, trying to get back up to the Premier League. But we'll see how DC United does. They've been constantly league with Mesut Ozil from Arsenal. So we'll see how DC United does this year. they got a beautiful stadium to host it in, where my DC defenders call home. We'll talk about the XFL in a little bit. But yeah, should be a fun one there. Montreal Impact going up against the New England Revolution. Houston Dynamo taking on the LA Galaxy, who lost Laton but gained Javier Hernandez, which is a big get for LA Galaxy because there's a big Mexican contingency in LA. You see Carlos Vela going to LAFC. You had Jonathan Dos Santos and Giovanni Dos Santos going to LA Galaxy. So Javier Hernandez going there now. It's it's going to be fun. The El Trafico derby between LAFC and LA Galaxy is going to be a fun one this year. But they start off the season against the Houston Dynamo. The San Jose Earthquakes taking on Toronto FC. Uh, San Jose almost made the playoffs last year. I believe they either did or they were barely in or just on the outside looking in. Yeah, I don't know. That'll be a fun one there. SC Dallas going against the Philadelphia Union. Orlando City taking on Real Salt Lake. Nashville in their first season of MLS play against a former expansion team a few years ago, Atlanta United, who's had a lot of success since they have come to the MLS with Joseph Martinez being the spearhead and one of the faces of the MLS since coming over to Atlanta. Nashville's going to be an interesting team. they got a good defender from LAFC in Walker Zimmerman, a U.S. international. So we'll see how they do in their first season because some teams do very bad in their first season. Some teams like Atlanta United and the going across other sports, the Vegas Golden Knights do very well in their first season in a sport. But some teams like... FC Cincinnati struggle in their first season. And the last game on Saturday is the Vancouver Whitecaps hosting my Sporting Kansas City team. Sporting is much improved from last year. They came second to last in the conference last year, which is not, not great. Not great. They have talent. They have a good goaltender. They have a star in Johnny Russell on the wing. Got a good holding midfielder in Ilya Sanchez. Got experience in the back with Zuzi. I know he's not a natural right back, but... He's servicing well at the right back spot. Matt Beasler, the captain there as well. They got Winston Reed from West Ham. When he's healthy, he's a very solid defender in the Premier League. So he'll be, bring a lot of experience and skill to the back line for sporting. They also got Alan Polito from the Mexican League from Guadalajara, I think. I think that's right from Chivas. So he will be a massive get. Sporting has been struggling for a real striker ever since they traded Dom Dwyer to Orlando City, and it's been kind of weird because Dom Dwyer struggled since he's gone to Orlando. Sporting have struggled since he's gone to Orlando as well. Neither one of them have benefited from this. Dom Dwyer had experience playing for Orlando. That's where he kind of started his professional career in the MLS. He played over for Norwich Norwich City in um, England and became a sporting legend before they traded him to Orlando. But getting Polito is a massive get for Sporting Kansas City. I'm expecting big things from Sporting this year. I would they're going to be one of the teams that could go from worst to first this season. Now they're in a tough conference. But you know what? 
looking to improve this year. They're not going to miss the playoffs this year. They're going to make the playoffs this year and hopefully challenge for another MLS Cup. Been been a while. 2013 was the last one, so getting kind of hungry for another one. Going on to Sunday, Columbus Crew hosting NYCFC, the New York Red Bulls, really the New Jersey Red Bulls, taking on FC Cincinnati, who is one of the worst expansion teams ever. They had a terrible year last year. Terrible. Hopefully, for their sake, they can bounce back and have a good year this season. The Seattle Sounders are going to take on the rebranded Chicago Fire. Got a new logo and everything. I hate the logo. Hate the new logo. The uniforms are fine, but they you can tell they rushed this rebrand because the uniform looks kind of bland, but it's not terrible. I just do not like the logo at all. They're going to be playing games in Soldier Soldier Field this year like the original team did, so we'll see how they do with that. Seattle, one of the staples of MLS for ever. Very solid team. Their LAFC, the last year's best team in the regular season, getting the Supporters' Shield last year, which is for the best overall record in the regular season. So if it was in another any other league in Europe, they would have won the league. Very talented team. Extremely talented team. They're going to take on Inter-Miami, David Beckham's team, in their first season as well. Nashville and Inter-Miami are going to be, this is their first seasons in MLS. So we will see how they do this season. I do expect LAFC to win pretty nicely there. And the final game on Sunday is the Portland Timbers going up against Minnesota United. Should be a fun first week of MLS action. Reminder, that is next weekend, not this weekend. We'll talk about that more on next Friday. So stay tuned for that. And one thing I would just like to add before we move on to our next talking point. I love the MLS website. Now, you would think it's just MLS.com, right? No, it's MLSsoccer.com. And I hear you saying, Logan, what's so weird about that? Well, unabbreviate MLS, Major League Soccer. So actually, their website is MajorLeagueSoccerSoccer.com. Is that not weird to anybody else? That's always been weird to me. Because you got NFL.com, NBA.com, MLSsoccer.com. That's like the NFL, National Football League Football.com. Major League Baseball, Baseball.com. Major League Soccer, Soccer.com. That just sounds weird. I know it doesn't sound weird when it's abbreviated, but when you unabbreviate it, it's weird. And I don't like it. I'm not a fan of it. Now, if you want to get the regular MLS.com, go get it from somewhere. MLSstore.com is fine. MLSsoccer.com makes no sense. MajorLeagueSoccerSoccer.com. Go to that. Fun. And actually, you know what? Before we move on to our next talking point, let's take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. We'll come back. we got some college basketball to talk about, some disappointing results from one set of fans in Iowa. Very good result for another set of fans in the state of Iowa last night. We'll talk about all that and more coming up right after this.
Let's go inside the mind of a 10-year-old. I should have worn earrings today. Buckle up, Sarah. Michaela's got, like, the best earrings. Sarah, buckle up. I wish my name was Michaela. We're not hitting the road until you buckle up, honey. Oh, yeah, seatbelt. 
I wonder if there's pizza at school today. It can be tough getting through to kids, but it's your job to make sure they're wearing your seatbelts. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Imagine being fired because of who you love. Imagine being denied medical treatment because of who you marry. Imagine being evicted because of who you are. Millions of Americans don't have to imagine this. They have to live it. Because in 31 states, it's legal to discriminate against LGBT people. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. If variety is the spice of life, we must be the best-tasting radio station in the Cedar Valley. 94.5 KULT. Everything you and I. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody, to the Logan Blackman Show. This Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, your 94.5 KULT, everything you and I. Uh, this is legendary. Always been my mission, never secondary. Welcome Get back. And we are got, we got some stuff to talk about. You know, we are a UNI station. So we have to talk about UNI sports. It's. It's like uh, one of those things where it's not in the contract, but it's it's kind of an unwritten rule to say. You got to talk about UNI sports. Actually, it's not really unwritten. We have a thing that you wanted to talk about, oh, and I kind of created it. So, yeah, we have UNI sports to talk about. Got some college basketball that went on last night, men's and women's teams. And sadly, for UNI Panther Nation, for Panther Nation, both teams came out with losses. The UNI men's team lost 67-64 to to Indiana State at Indiana State. Second loss in a row for the Panthers men's team. And the women's team lost 69-61 to Illinois State in overtime last night. But let's talk about the men's team first. UNI men's team was first in the Missouri Valley Conference at 11-3. Indiana State has come off three straight losses, losing their first home loss, losing their first home game of the season against Missouri State in their last game. Losing three straight games. They were motivated coming into this game. You could tell by the way the game started. UNI was down 40-23 at halftime. For those of you who aren't math wizards like myself, that is a 17-point deficit for the UNI Panthers. Not really ideal, but they clawed back in the game. Scored 41 second half points, but it just wasn't enough. Losing by three points, dropping to 11-4 and four in conference play. Now joint top of the league with Loyola. But as the Missouri Valley Conference does, for conference tournament play, they will go by the net rankings. And by the net rankings, UNI is clearly the best team in the conference. Like, it's not really close in the net rankings that are come out every single week. It's, or get updated pretty much every single day. You and I might drop in the rankings every once in a while, but they're nowhere close. And so you and I right now ranks 39th in the net rankings. The next closest team in the Missouri Valley is Loyola. 
who rank 94th. So all you and I has to do to get the number one overall seed in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament is just not finish with a worse record than Loyola. There's no way Loyola can pass you and I in the net rankings. It is impossible. Even if you and I loses the rest of their games, I don't think they will... Okay, well, if they lose to Evansville at home, that might take a massive hit to their net ranking. But I don't think it'll affect, I don't think Loyola can pass them. I think it's impossible for them. But this loss is not great for you and I. We all knew this going in that it was going to be a tough game. We talked about this on Wednesday, how Indiana State won loss at home all season. The only other team in the Missouri Valley that was either undefeated was undefeated last week was the UNI Panthers, who are currently 14-0 at home this season. Road record, obviously not as good because they have four losses, so you would assume all four of those losses came on the road. Or I guess five losses. They have four losses in conference now. All four of those losses came on the road in conference play. 11-4 and four in the conference right now for the UNI Panthers. Indiana State moves up to 8-7, and 11-1 at home. They are 2-8 and eight at home, which is not, not really ideal. But in this game, the UNI, for the UNI Panthers, A.J. Green, the masked assassin A.J. Green, rocked up with 21 points, two rebounds and two assists, shot 6-14 of 14 from the field, 4-8 of eight from three. At the start of the game, from what I was hearing from warm-ups, the mask was not really agreeing with him that much. He was not used to wearing a mask. Obviously, most people aren't. Unless you're Rip Hamilton, you just wear the mask because you're Rip Hamilton. It's your thing. But most people are not used to wearing that plastic mask. You look at the office with Dwight Shute nearly drowning himself (laughs) when he tries to drink water. It's an adjustment. It's a big adjustment. It can hinder your game, which is not ideal for AJ. But he did still end up with 21 points in the game for the United Panthers, leading the team in scoring Isaiah Brown. Had 13 points. Austin Fife, Mr. Double-Double, didn't get a double-double in this game. 12 points and 6 rebounds, but led the team in assists with 3, or joint top with 3 assists, with Spencer Haldeman and Taiwan Pickford as well. Haldeman in the game did not play the last time you and I played Indiana State. Did not shoot as well as he has in recent games. 2 of 7 from the field, 8 points, 3 rebound, three assists, and 4 rebounds, but did have 5 fouls in the game in Burhau who has been pretty much the number two guy for you and I this entire season, went 0 of 5 shooting, 0 of 3 from free, from 3, had four rebounds in the game. No points for Trey Burhau. I haven't checked up on anything. I didn't. I couldn't watch the game last night. We had a birthday party to go to last night, so I didn't get to watch any of it, so I was following it on Twitter. I don't know if Burhau got hurt. Because he's the past few games, he's played around 40 minutes a night. He's leading the team in minutes played, I'm pretty sure, for the United Panthers. If not, A.J. Green's up there. But 25 minutes for Burhau. I don't know if he got hurt or something, but or if he, they just didn't play him because he was struggling from the field. I don't know. This is not an ideal night for Burhau. Off the bench, Pickford and Noah Carter led the team in scoring with four. Pickford had 10 rebounds and, as I said earlier, three assists. Also had a block and a steal in there as well. Antoine Kimmins played 17 minutes, got two points the game. Dahl and Luke McDonald also got minutes in the game, but did not really do anything. Got three rebounds combined. No points between the two of them. Yeah, just not just not great. In the first half for you and I, they shot eight of 31, two of 14 from three. For a three that for a team that relies heavily on the three, 
Shooting 2 of 14 in the first half is not great. They shot a lot better in the second half, 5 of 11. But 7 for 25 clip for you and I from 3 is not great. It's not a great it's not a, it's not a great shooting performance from the United Panthers. They only went to the free throw line nine times. Neither team really fouled that much. In Indiana State shot eleven free throws. But yeah, you and I struggling from the three early. As I said, down seventeen at halftime. And for the Indiana State Sycamores, Tyreek Key, their leading scorer, had eighteen points in the game, joint with Jake Larivia, who had eighteen as well. Key had four assists and six rebounds, while LaRivia had seven rebounds and three assists, also two blocks. Former Hawkeye Christian Williams had 14 points. Their point guard, Jordan Barnes, had nine points in the game with four assists and two rebounds. And Trey Williams, their other starter, four points and three rebounds with Brandon Kessinger lead the team. Bronson Kessinger lead the team off the bench and scoring with four points. The only person off the bench who scored for Indiana State last night man tough tough game for you and I but we knew that going in we knew this game was going to be tough Indiana State very good home team struggled as of late so they were going to be motivated going into this game now we talked to Kevin Lehman who does play-by-play stuff for different Missouri Valley Conference teams just play-by-play for a lot of people a lot of teams around college basketball we did that on press row yesterday and I asked him if this would be a good time to catch Indiana State or if it was a bad time because they lost three games in a row, they were going to be motivated, or would their morale be down so it would be a good time to you and I to pounce on them? And as expected, he said that it's a bad time to catch them because, again, Indiana State, very good home team. Three games in a row, lost their first home game of the year. They're going to be pissed off going into this game. And they were. And they took it to you and I. I don't know if you and I look past them in the first half and go, oh, they've lost their last three. Because... That's not a great first half at all for this UNI Panthers team. Now, they will be able to bounce back. I would expect them to win at least one of their last three games. They're playing Evansville, who is still yet to win a conference game this season. They are playing better, though, but still haven't won a game in conference this year. And you and I will play them on Wednesday the 26th, but first they'll play Southern Illinois this Sunday on Senior Day. It'll be at 1 o'clock. It's going to be on ESPNU, so even if you don't make it to the McLeod Center, you can watch the UNI Panthers on the telly this Sunday at 1, again on ESPNU. Southern Illinois this season, UNI, that was their second loss in conference play this year was at Southern Illinois, and they have been a surprise team to pretty much everybody this year. Not one person really thought Southern Illinois would do anything this year. They were kind of just there. They were projected to finish last in the Missouri Valley Conference this year. But head coach Brian Mullins, who's the clear favorite to win Missouri Valley Conference Coach of the Year, has done a miraculous job with this Salukis team. They're 12-2 at home, 16-12 overall, 10-5 in conference play this year, which currently has them ranked second, joint second in the conference with Bradley at 10-5, who Bradley was projected to finish second in the conference. So that shows how good... Southern Illinois have been this year despite having everybody having low expectations on the team. Now, in the last three games, Southern Illinois has won in their last three, or won one of the last three, beating Evansville yesterday, 70-53. to And, yeah, as expected, just a good overall – expected to win. You're at home against a really bad team. Yes, they've been playing good as of late, but you're at home. 
And in the game, Southern Illinois was only winning by three at halftime. But Evansville only scored 16 points in the second half. So that's not usually a winning formula for a team that's been struggling like this. Marcus Domasak scored 19 points and seven rebounds for the Salukis. Eric McGill had 18 points and four rebounds. And Lance Jones had 15 points in the game for the Salukis. It's going to be a tough one, again, for you and I. There's no easy games in the Missouri Valley. Now, I know for a lot of you sitting there, probably not. Maybe some of you go to you and I. I don't know. But you don't really know that much about Missouri Valley, maybe. So you look at it and go, oh, you and I, is this overall record is this much better than them. They should walk through this game easily. But the Valley is a tough conference. It's not one of the bigger named conference in America. It's probably only going to get one team in the tournament this year. But it's a tough conference nonetheless. I do expect you and I to win again. They are 14-0 at home this year. And yes, they lost to Southern Illinois the last time they played, but only by two points. It was a very close game. They were losing by two at halftime. Each scored 40 in the second half. A.J. Green scored only 16 points, had six turnovers in the game for the UNI Panthers. That's not a real winning formula when your best player turns it over six times in a game and shoots six of 15 from the field. And as Spencer Haldeman only scored three points in the game as well, we expect his number to shoot up there. And Isaiah Brown went two for 11 in the game, played all 40 minutes in the game, went two for 11 from the field. So you would just fully expect them to play much better in this game. You can put poor shooting down to that one. They went 10 of 23 from the field, or from a from three-point arc. They only took four free throws in the game to Southern Illinois' 23. So I would expect you and I just to have a better overall game. I don't think A.J. will have six turnovers in the game. I don't think Brown will shoot two for 11 again, and I don't think Haldeman will only have two points. I expect them to be much more motivated. Two straight losses. They're going to be motivated going into this game. At home, senior day. It's going to be a fun one, so I would recommend either going to the game or watching it on ESPN Plus, ESPNU. A reminder, Sunday at 1 for that game, and their next home game after that is Wednesday for Todd Licklider Appreciation Night against Evansville. That's why Senior Day is on Sunday, because Todd Licklider is coming to town. we got to appreciate the GOAT that is Todd Licklider. So that game's on Wednesday at 7 on ESPN Plus at the McLeod Center, and their last game of the year which will be a doozy. Their last three away games of the year are tough. And as we saw, they lost two of those away games, and then they played Drake. Drake, one of the better home teams in the conference as well. They only have one loss at home this year. Out of the three teams you and I played on the road in their last three games, right, three road games, Loyola 13-2, Drake 14-1, and and Indiana State 11-1 on the season at home. Now, Drake and Indiana State are very not very good on the road. If it weren't for Evansville, they would have the two worst records on the road this season, 2-8 and eight in conference play, or overall, overall. Or no, it's Illinois State, 11-0, and 0-11 oh, on the road. I forgot about that. Yeah, Drake played UNI tough when they came up to the McLeod Center recently. An unfair score result for Drake, 83-73. They didn't really beat the Bulldogs by 10. It was... Drake couldn't make shots at the end of the game and they were fouling you and I and they were making their free throws. So it was a little unfair 10-point game for you and I, but that game in Des Moines is going to be a tough one. That'll be on ESPN too. Whew. Gonna be tough. March Ma- Arch Madness in St. Louis starts on March 5th. So hopefully you and I can win most of these games, if not all of these games, 
and secure the number one seed right now. They just can't drop below Loyola. And they got the number one overall seed in the conference, which is a big key in conference play for the Missouri Valley. Because if you get the one seed, you're pretty much guaranteed at least the NIT. So you got that going for you. And you get to play a team that's going to be on very low rest the next day. Because you get the first round by, obviously. And then you get to play a team on very low rest. And right now, well, at least the last bracket I saw had Drake and Illinois State playing each other, which would not – that would be a terrible matchup for you and I. Those two teams have played you and I tough all year. And right now, as it stands, it would be between Valparaiso and Illinois State to play you and I. You and I played Valparaiso decently well last time. I would hope Missouri State drops because you and I, the two times they played Missouri State, they absolutely shellacked the Bears of Missouri State. So that's what I'm hoping for, but I just don't want Drake. <laughs> Drake's a tough team, and you'll see that when they play them on the 29th at the Nap Center. Uh, for the U- the women's team for you and I, they also lost, as we said, 61-69 to in overtime to Illinois State for their second home loss of the season, second straight home loss. Well, not second straight, I guess. They had one in between there, but whatever. They've lost, what, two of their last three. They've lost three of their last five. So they're just a little shaky right now, but an overtime game for you and I, tough one. Like the men's team, started off slow in the game, scored only seven points in the first quarter, but rallied back in the second half, scored 36 points in the second half to get it to overtime, but it just wasn't enough. Your starters need to score more than seven points. No one in the you and I starting lineup scored over seven points in the game. Bree Gunnels had seven, and Megan Moss had seven as well. Carly Rucker went two of 12 from the field. Abby Gertis went 2 of 8. Megan Moss, 2 of 7. Bree Gunnels, 3 of 7. And Nikel Kroger, 1 for 4. So just an overall not good shooting night for the United Panthers women's team. Two, 22 of 68 from the field. 7 of 36 from the field, from three-point range. That's not a winning formula. <laughs> that's, that's not great. And Cam Finley went 4 of 11 from three, but she led the team in scoring with 14 points in the game. Carly Rucker had five assists in the game, but only six points. And Rose Simon Wrestler had 10 points and six rebounds for the Panthers women's team. Now, that's a tough one. Very similar team to Illinois State. They lost them the first time they played them. But you and I now drops below in the Illinois State in the Valley rankings. Now we're going to take on one of the better teams in the Missouri Valley Conference in Bradley which they'll play on Saturday. That game will be at home on ESPN3. That game will tip off at 2 at the McLeod Center. And, yeah, Bradley, right now this season, 19-5, 10-3 in Missouri Valley Conference play this year. But they did lose to Drake, 85-72. to And what bodes well for you and I, they are not a good road team, or not a great road team. They're 5-4 and four on the road. They've lost three of their last four road games this season. So that bodes well for you and I. See if they can bounce back from that tough game against Illinois State. Hopefully the starters can get back into form because I don't think they'll shoot. The starters won't shoot that bad in back-to-back games. You would expect you would expect them not to do that. No one in the starting lineup scored over seven points. That's kind of crazy to think about. So hopefully that bounces back against Bradley. And the last time they played, of course, we said this earlier, like, like earlier this week, lost sixty-one to forty-seven to the Bradley Braves in Bradley. Uh, much like the Illinois State game, no one really did a lot of scoring. And the leading scorer was Bree Gunnels with 10, and no one else had over 9 points 
in the game. And that was Cam Finley off the bench again, who had nine. So they're going to need more consistent scoring from the starters because Cynthia Wolf scored four, Carly Recker four, Nicole Kroger had two, uh, Rose Simon Wrestler had one. So it was just a not a great game. They shot six of 32 from three. So you just expect a better shooting performance from the UNI Panthers going into this next one against Bradley. Being at home, I'm hoping they can bounce back against Bradley. And they got three more games after that one. They go to Valpo and to Loyola. And then they play Drake on March 6th at 6.30 p.m. Central Time at the McLeod Center. That will be senior night. And conference play for the women's team starts on March 12th in Malone, Illinois. Not in St. Louis like the men's team goes to. So hopefully both you and I men's and women's teams can bounce back going in to their next two games and or next few games. And before we move on to other college basketball scores, Iowa had a big game last night, but let's keep let's keep the topic on you and I right now. Let's keep it on the you and I train right now. Get on the Panther train as Coach Schwab says for the UNI wrestling team. They just won twenty to eighteen against Wisconsin in Madison, Wisconsin. A very tough place to get a result in the UNI Panthers after coming off a loss to Iowa State, which they haven't lost to in three years. Had a nice little win over the Wisconsin Badgers. Jay Schwarm got a win over Eric Bennett. Michael Blockus got a win last night. Who else got? Bryce Steert, Taylor Luan, Isaiah Patton all got wins last night. Some of them went to one of them went to triple overtime, but I can't remember which one it was. I'm blanking right now. But great win for the UNI Panthers. They'll be going to Big 12 Conference play, which starts up on the 7th of March. They'll be in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The Big 12 in wrestling, it's not as you think it is in basketball and football. UNI is in the Big 12 for wrestling, as well as other Big 12 teams that are normally in the Big 12. So you got Iowa State, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Air, um, Oklahoma State, typical Big 12 teams, right? But then you also got Air Force, Northern Colorado, Utah Valley, South Dakota State is in there. They played Missouri this year. Missouri's not in the Big 12. They're in the MAC for wrestling. Wrestling conferences are just so weird. The Big Ten's like the only normal one because that's consistent. The Big Ten has pretty much all the same teams in that as they do in football and basketball and all the other sports as well. But there's not a lot of wrestling schools in the Big 12. Like All the Texas schools don't have wrestling teams. So you have to add teams like Northern Colorado and Air Force and South Dakota State and Utah Valley. But it's weird that Missouri's in the, the MAC, not the back in the Big 12. But, you know, whatever. But great win for the UNI Panthers in that one. Finished 8-4 and four in the regular season, 4-2 and two at home, 4-2 and two on the road, 6-2 and two in conference play this year. Had a very good end to the season before losing to Iowa State, but still, very good end of the season. Their last whatever games, they went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven and one in their last eight games. So, very impressive stuff from the UNI Panthers this season. Look forward to seeing you guys in Big 12 play. Again, March 7th, the NCAA Championships start on March 29th. So, make sure you look forward to that to see your UNI Panthers take on all different types of teams across the nation and take home a national championship. Let's go. Keeping it in this, we'll go back to basketball now. Had to touch on that because there was a big result for the UNI Panthers wrestling team last night. Huge win for the wrestling team. A round of applause. After all the other UNI teams 
didn't do much last night. Good to see the wrestling team hold the mantle high for the University of Northern Iowa. And for the University of Iowa, we already know the wrestling team holds the mantle for, holds the torch high for the University of Iowa. But the basketball team, geez, from the way this season, I have said this numerous times on the show, from when this season started, if you would have told me Iowa would be third place in the Big Ten above the likes of Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, I would have called you crazy. Now, technically, they're joint with Michigan State at 10-6, and six, but currently are above them thanks to alphabetical rules. This Iowa team is crazy. When you told me they would lose Nunji, Bohannon, and C.J. Frederick, that they would continue winning and beat a top 25 team, I would have called you crazy. Now, this next test against Michigan State on the 25th is going to be a huge one. That's next Tuesday at 6 on ESPN2. It's going to be a big test. You and The Iowa Hawkeyes are not done with their season. You and I... In Iowa, still got some big games left. Iowa plays Michigan State, Penn State, and then go to Illinois. And Penn State, know that though that one's at home, Penn State is the best team on the road in Big Ten Conference play. But they did just lose in their last game, which was kind of surprising. Got upset by Illinois at home. That was their second home loss of the season for Penn State. But in this game for the Iowa Hawkeyes playing Ohio State, Beat the Buckeyes 85-76. Great win for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Luka Garza, 24 points in the game. Had six rebounds and four assists. Great game for him, but great game is what we're used to from Garza. We're used to these types of numbers. It's kind of low in the rebounding numbers for, for Garza in this game, for what we are used to this season. But Cordell Pemsel. Off the bench for the Iowa Hawkeyes, nine points, eight rebounds in the game. Also had three assists and two steals. Great game for Cordell Pemsel. Underrated player of the game for the Hawkeyes. 19 minutes, nine points, eight rebounds, three assists, and two steals. Went 4-4 shooting the ball as well. Player of the game for the Iowa Hawkeyes. All over the place because we expect Garza to do stuff like that. Pemsel's had an up-and-down year. He's had an up-and-down career at Iowa just in general. But that was a great game against a top 25 team, though formerly number one team, which is crazy looking at Ohio State now. But great game for him. Bokari Evelyn off the bench, 15 points, was second leading scorer on the team. The bench play from Iowa, though it was just Pemsel and Evelyn, played very, very well. Joe Toussaint played better than what he has been, which doesn't take a lot, but he had nine points, three assists, and three rebounds. Also had a steal in the game, as well, Wieskamp played better than his last game, scoring 13 points in the game with four rebounds. McCaffrey, as weird as this sounds, actually turned the ball over in this game. He had three points, four assists, two steals, but he had a turnover, which is weird to talk about because he doesn't turn the ball over very often. So it's weird to look at Connor McCaffrey with a turnover next to his name on the stat chart. It's weird. It's really weird to look at Ryan Creener. Finishing off the team for Iowa, 12 points, four rebounds in the game for the big man. Their great game for Iowa. Great win for Iowa. They were up by 11 at halftime, 46-35, and closed the game out. Just a good overall performance from the Iowa Hawkeyes. And Luka Garza, still in my book, the Wooden Award Player of the Year. I think he deserves it for how much this Iowa team has gone through. He deserves the Wooden Award this year. I think Marcus Howard is going to be competing with him as well very hard from very hard competition for Marcus Howard and of Marquette, but 
based off everything that's happened with the Hawkeyes this year and how good Garza has eleva- how much el- Garza has elevated his play to make to help his or actually just force his team to be good, been great. It's been great for him and been great for the Hawkeyes. Now again, they're playing Michigan State at Michigan State this Tuesday at six on ESPN two. Now a reminder, remember what I said, I think it was Wednesday, Big Ten teams well, actually, just a lot of teams in college basketball, especially this year, are much better at home than they are on the road this year. The Big Ten, right now, most of the teams don't have more than three losses. Discounting Nebraska and Northwestern, because they don't count anything. But only two teams outside of those two have more than three losses at home. And that's Michigan and Minnesota. Both 10-4 and four at home this year. But most teams have either one or two losses in conference play, which is ridiculous to think about. Maryland's still undefeated at home. 15-0 at home. Michigan State 10-3 at home this year. Iowa 4-5 and on the road. So, And Michigan State, a tough place to play. And speaking of Michigan State, not talking about the Iowa game coming up, they had a pretty interesting game against the Nebraska Cornhuskers last night. If you don't know, if you didn't know this, you probably would live it under a rock, but Fred Hoiberg is the new coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And last night, his son started the game for the Michigan State Spartans. Jack Hoiberg, a sophomore, not really getting a lot of minutes this year. He plays, but he doesn't really see a lot of time on the court. He averages 3.2 minutes a game, which is up from last year, but he averages 1.3 minutes a game. Averaging 1.5 points a game, only played five minutes last night, but scored four points in those five minutes. Also had two assists as well. So great stuff from Tom Izzo in that one. Also, Tom Izzo's son played in the game as well. Wayne ended a buck fifty. Steven Izzo. A buck fifty. I don't know how. Jeez. He's a tiny dude. A very tiny person. But yeah, kudos to Izzo for playing Hoiberg in this game. They're up by only four at half or up by three at halftime, but blew the Cornhuskers out in the second half. But great stuff from him. Cassius Winston, as expected, 23 points in this game. But uncharacteristically, uncharacteristically, there we go, had five turnovers in the game. Now, maybe he's a turnover machine this year. He's usually a great assist master, all-time leader in assist in Big Ten, in Big Ten history. But I just haven't been following Michigan State that closely this year. They've, I just expect Michigan State to be good because it's Michigan State. But, yeah, good stuff, cool stuff from Izzo playing Hoiberg's son. Hoiberg and the Cornhuskers could not get it done, though. Oh, man, Nebraska lost. Dang it, man, that stinks. Yeah, got smashed by 21 points. So we're really disappointed with that result. But, yeah, it's going to be a fun game, Iowa versus Michigan State. Again, next Tuesday at 6 on ESPN2. Going to be a very, very fun game. Very fun game. But before we go to our next break, let's go over the scoreboard from last night from the Missouri Valley Conference and Big Ten play. As we said, Southern Illinois 70-53 to over Evansville and Indiana State beating the UNI Panthers 67-54. to Every single home team in the Missouri Valley Conference won their games this week. Bradley beat Missouri State 83-79 in overtime. Drake beat Valparaiso after being up by 28 points at halftime. Took him to overtime and won by two points, Drake, and did end up winning the game. But, man, 28-point lead at halftime. Valparaiso stormed back with a 47-point second half. 
to force overtime. And then Loyola beating Illinois State, who, again, zero wins on the road this year for the Redbirds, losing to Loyola 84-69. They were winning 38-34 to at halftime, but Loyola, 50 points second half. Big boy second half from the Loyola Ramblers. Big stuff there. Every home team getting dubs in the Missouri Valley Conference. And for the Big Ten, Iowa, as we said, beating Ohio State 85-76 to and Michigan State beating Nebraska 86-65. to And on Wednesday, Michigan beat Rutgers 60-52 to and Indiana beat Minnesota 68-56. to Unlike the Missouri Valley, three out of the four games that played were road victories with Michigan, Indiana, and Michigan State all getting wins. Iowa, the lone home team from the past two days, to get a win at home. So impressive stuff from the Iowa Hawkeyes. And that, and as I said last win, or this past Wednesday, Iowa State back in action tomorrow. So look forward to that game. The game will take place at 5 in Hilton Coliseum in Ames on ESPNU. So you don't go to the game. You can catch it there. Iowa State 11-15 on the season. Texas Tech third in Big 12 play right now in the conference record. So we'll see if the Cyclones can bounce back after a tough game against Kansas. Other Big 12 games that are going on tomorrow. Number three, Kansas against number one, Baylor. Kansas 12-1 in conference play. That one loss coming to the Baylor Bears earlier this season. Baylor has one loss on the season. Number one team in the nation versus number three team. That will be a fun one. That will be on ESPNU at 11. West Virginia, number 17, West Virginia, taking on unranked TCU. And West Virginia been in weird form as of late. One in, four, one in three in their last four games, but they did play Baylor and Kansas in that stretch, but lost to Oklahoma by 10 and beat up on the second-worst team in the Big 12, Oklahoma State. So see if they can get back to their normal ways. Their schedule gets a little easier. Again, playing Baylor and Kansas back-to-back games is not very easy for a lot of teams in in college basketball just sports in general uh texas taking on kansas state on cbs at one and oklahoma is taking on Okie state at three on espn two this weekend in big 10 play when's our next big 10 games we got michigan going up against purdue on saturday at one and that's our lone big 10 game for this weekend and for the missouri valley we got loyola going to missouri state which should be a very fun one there you and I are going to ask some favors from Missouri State in that one. Missouri State looked like they were turning a corner this season, but swiftly lost their next game against Bradley. But this one at home, maybe get a little bounce back game in there. Illinois State taking on Drake. Drake, one of the worst teams in the conference on the road. 2-8 and eight in conference play on the road. So we'll see if they can bounce that against Illinois State. And Bradley traveling to Valparaiso. So that should be a very fun one there and then on Sunday we got Indiana State against Evansville and again Southern Illinois going to the University of Northern Iowa for Senior Day. My predictions around the Missouri Valley Conference. Let's go with Drake over into Illinois State, Bradley over Valpo, and for the sake of you and I go Missouri State over Loyola and on Sunday Indiana State over actually no Indiana State will lose to Evans Evansville first conference win of the season. Let's go boys. Get the dub over Indiana State. Avenge you and I and get that dub over Indiana State. And you and I I expect fully expect them to beat Southern Illinois 
this week. It retake control of the Missouri Valley Conference with a Loyola loss, Southern Illinois loss, dropping them a little lower. Good stuff. Good weekend for the UNI as we're hoping so. At least we're hoping. And before we take our next break here on the Logan Blackman Show, Joe Lenardi released his latest bracket, his predictions for this upcoming tournament, which is coming which is coming up very soon. So we're all very excited for that. And then for the Iowa Hawkeyes and UNI Panthers, he has them both in the tournament. Iowa, he has a six seed against USC. And the UNI Panthers, he has them as an 11 seed going up against Ohio State. If both teams win those matchups, I will face either Creighton or Hofstra in St. Louis, and you and I will face either Louisville or New Mexico State also in St. Louis. So it's just the Iowa teams in St. Louis. I know Gary Ryman, the sports guy, wants you and I to go back to St. Louis. Familiar territory. It's where the conference tournament is. So go back there. That'd be fun for you and I. That'd be an interesting bracket there for you and I. It's tough, but Louisville's shown they can get beat. They've struggled as of late, so that might be an interesting matchup. You and I might be able to make it out of that one. Same with Iowa. So you never know. That's the beauty of March Madness. But we're going to take a quick break right here on the Logan Black. Michelle, we'll come back. We got some football to talk about. XFL Week 3 is coming up this weekend. We got some NFL stuff to talk about as well. The new playoff, fixture, uh, playoff structure they're talking about. Maybe it gets implemented. I'm not 100% sure if it's actually getting implemented or if it's just in the talking stages at this point, but we'll go through that and more coming up right after this short break.
One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Sweet strawberry icing. You're in goodwill and just past that vintage denim jacket you spot. Miniature donut earrings. You lean in. Ah, oh, that's the scent of shopping success. Because at Goodwill, every item you buy funds local job training and more. So bring home those donut earrings and bring home so much good to your community. Goodwill. Bring good home. Brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council. Thanks for listening to 94.5 KULT during class. Funny, we're doing the same thing. 94.5 KULT. Everything you and I. Welcome back, everybody. This beautiful... Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show is brought to you by water. Water, it helps you live. And we are here live, and here's your daily, or your friendly reminder, your show reminder, that you can follow the Logan Blackman Show on all social media accounts, at the underscore LB underscore show is the Twitter account, the Logan Blackman official personal Twitter account is Logan underscore Blackman, the Instagram account for the Logan Blackman Show is the Logan Blackman Show. Go follow my personal Twitter account, Logan Blackman. I think the username's like Blackman Logan or something. Go like the Facebook page, Logan Blackman Show on Facebook, and go follow the Spotify account. We moved up in the world. We have moved up in the world. Now, I was looking at, so the other day, when, well, Wednesday, which I guess is the other day, I was looking at, like, listening stuff, and I was looking at the followers and consistent stuff and listening. I was like... No one has SoundCloud anymore. I've been made fun of by some of my friends for having a SoundCloud. Like, oh, Logan's still living in middle school. Which, hey, I, I like SoundCloud, so don't hate on SoundCloud. But everybody has Spotify. Everybody has Spotify. That's what I know for a fact. A lot of, if not everybody, about 90% of the people have Spotify. In the world has Spotify, I would say. It's an insane way to get music podcasts whatever so i was like i've got to make a spotify account it's a must it's something i gotta do if i want to help grow the show a little bit i've got to move off soundcloud and get on to spotify so that's what i did so we got a spotify account now so go follow the logan blackman show on spotify go listen to it be posted up after every single show if you don't miss if you don't listen live the Logan Blackman Show here on 94.5 KULT, Everything You and I, which I'll tweet out the live stream before every single show. So if you want to go listen to the live stream, if you want to listen to it live, there's a live stream. So go follow the Logan Blackman Show on Twitter. So that's where I'll tweet it out. Uh, go listen to it in your car radio, your clock radio, wherever, wherever 94.5 can get picked up. You should get it around the Cedar Valley area. But if you don't want to do that or if you can't do that, the podcast is now available on Spotify so more people can listen to the show and hopefully grow the show into something bigger. But all the old shows will still be on SoundCloud, so if you want to go listen back to some of the old Logan Blackman stuff, 
It is still going to be on SoundCloud, but we will not be uploading on SoundCloud anymore. Does that make sense? And I got all the old the audio clips on my phone on my computer anyway. So if I if something happened in the SoundCloud, I still have all the old, so I can create a portfolio or whatever. But yeah, go follow the Spotify account. Uh, grow the show. Follow the sound. Follow the Spotify account. Like each podcast. Do whatever. But yeah, don't go to SoundCloud anymore. Spotify is the answer now. But yeah, we're not here to talk about that for a vast majority of time. We're I wanted to do something. We do this on Press Row every Friday or have the opportunity to. So if you want to listen to on Press Row as well, that's on 1540 KXEL every for every day of the work week from 4 to 6. And we do this thing on Fridays like what's bugging what's bugging you thing. I got something that's bugging me today. And it it's topical because it happened to me today. I absolutely hate it when I'm sitting in the classroom, okay? Let's let's set the scene a little bit. I'm sitting in a classroom, listening to the professor, and I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't know anybody in the classroom. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to get done with the class and do go on with the rest of my day. That's all I want to do. I do not want to get up from where I'm sitting and do a stupid class activity. We did that in a class... Uh, last week in an auditorium where we had to go meet up and group with each individual person. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Maybe it's just me being negative, but oh my God, I hate when we have to do that. I hate getting up out. If I don't know anybody in the class, I do not want to get up out of my seat and talk to other people. It's not what I want to do. We're not, I'm not going to see you anytime after this class. It's the only time I see you people. So I just want to sit here, mind my own business, listen to the professor, take notes, and leave. And then get ready for this show, because one today was right before the show. I don't want to do class activities. I want to sit there and pay, just listen to a lecture. I would much rather do that than sit with a group of people. Maybe I'm just being super negative. It's just something that's bothered me. I, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't annoy a lot of people. It annoys me, at least. Most college kids that I have encountered just want to go to class, or actually, some of them probably don't even want to go to class, but they want to sit down, they don't want to talk to people that they don't know, don't care about, or don't want to talk to, and these these things stopped kind of being fun in elementary school, at least for me. I'm just tired of class activities, especially in college. I'm 22 years old. I don't want to get up. And talk to people I don't. I'm tired. I'm di- working on this show, trying to come up with stuff to talk about for the next show, working on mock drafts and stuff, which will be released next week, editing a website, trying to figure out if I want to put this stuff on Spotify or keep it on SoundCloud. I have a lot more things that I'd rather do than do a class activity. Again, that might just be being mean. This might just be me being super negative. And not fun. Like, oh, Logan, I love class activities. That's not... You have a terrible attitude. Well, I don't care. I don't want to do it. I don't want to. And I don't... I... No interest in doing class activities. None. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Don't want to do it. Man. That's just me being super negative. But I don't care. It bothers me every single time. I put my head... I'm like, oh my god. I gotta talk to other people. 
So it also has to do with the fact that I'm extremely introverted. So it doesn't, and that is not a very big helping point along with that as well. Tired and introverted. Don't want to get out by my spot. <laughs> that's 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 just what that's just what I'm trying to do. That's that's all I'm doing. Sitting there, trying to pay attention without falling asleep, and go on with my day. That's all. That's all I'm really wanting to do with my time in that classroom. I didn't think. I was in a deep conversation, Big Show. Well, whatever. I guess we got Unit of the Week to talk about. I was in an intellectual conversation with my listeners. Man. Whatever. Well, the Big Show, if if you're new to this segment, this is where we announce the Unit of the Week, which is just a unit that does something very awesome this week. And this week, the winner is. It's a big show! Is G Man Choi. Now, a lot of you listening probably have no idea who G Man Choi is or have ever really cared about who G Man Choi is. But he's a first baseman slash DH for the Tampa Bay Rays, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. And there was a video that was posted on Twitter this morning from spring training, which started today, which is really cool, but we're not talking about... That's the only baseball thing we're talking about today. The Astros haven't done anything that stupid recently. So, G-Man Choi, they had Living on a Prayer blasting over the loudspeaker. And dude is busting out some sick moves. He is showing off the moves, and it is really awesome and really funny to look at. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much. It made me laugh. It made me cry. It was just a beautiful overall performance. Beautiful. So that's why G-Man Choi is this week's unit of the week. And it it gets harder to come up with unit of the weeks without football season here because there's not a lot of big people that are doing anything, really. Man. But it's awesome. Congratulations, G-Man Choi. We will get that reward sent to you. We've had a vast amount of winners throughout the Logan Blackman Show history. Uh, last week, I believe, was Shannon Sharp because he had that weird crying thing on ESPN, which was really awesome to watch. But, yeah, legendary tight end, or not Shannon Sharp, uh, Vernon Davis had that crying thing on <laughs> TV, which was awesome. If you guys did see that, I would really recommend. Look up Vernon Davis crying ESPN because there's a lot of videos of him crying. Go do his acting thing. That's awesome. Luca Garza has been unit of the week this semester. Austin Fife, Mr. Double Double, has been a unit of the week this semester as well. So, yeah, love giving out unit of the week. It's my favorite thing of the Logan Blackman show, but it randomly comes up just like that. I'm in the middle of talking about something else, and all of a sudden, well, it's the big show. It doesn't have the same effect without the, the music in the background. But, yeah, that's what – congratulations, G-Man Choi. Keep on – Keep it on and dominate the dance floor from, for the rest of your life. Beautiful, beautiful. But again, I said we're not going to talk about baseball today. It's the lone thing we're going to talk about baseball because we've talked a lot of baseball in the recent weeks. It's been very baseball heavy here on the Logan Blackman Show because the Houston Astros love to put things where they don't belong. And I'll give you an example, like putting a head up a rear end. That's not where, That's not supposed to happen. That's what the Astros like to do. 
probably come up with more things to get pissed off about next week. But this week, or this Friday at least, we're cool. We're cool. So right now we're going to go right into the playoff structure of the NFL. It's been a thing that has been somewhat talked about for quite a bit, to be honest. it's It comes up quite a bit, like extending the season, extending, like adding an extra game to the season, taking away preseason games, fix, adjusting the NFL schedule is something that gets talked about, I feel like, every single offseason. At least that's what I feel like. Maybe it doesn't happen that often, but I feel like it happens every offseason. There's at least one conversation about, oh, let's add a game, let's take away preseason, let's do this, let's do that, everything. So Adam Schefter tweeted this out Wednesday night, and uh, the NFL playoff structure is about to be changed. Under the current CBA proposal, seven teams from each conference will make the playoffs, with only by per conference... Sources tell ESPN with only one buy per far. It would go to infect. It would go into effect this upcoming season. That's a tweet from Wednesday night. That one buy would come to the number one overall seed in the AFC and NFC. So you would have a seven seed now. Now, if that happened last year, the Rams and the Steelers would be in the playoffs. So that's what would happen. So we would have had the the Chiefs against the Steelers, and we would have had who's the two seed in the NFC. The pack no, who was the two? Was it the Packers? It was the Packers. Packers against the Rams. So that would have been your playoff matchups for that. And if this was implemented like over the past decade, it would have the here's what the teams would be. Last year Steelers, two years ago Steelers, 2017 Ravens, 2016 the Titans, 2015 Jets, 2014 Texans, 2013 Steelers, 2012 Steelers, 2011 Titans, and 2010 the Chargers. That's just the NFC. Obviously, if you know your NFL teams, you know that was just the AFC. But this is an interesting proposal. Again, that feels like it gets talked about a lot. So it very well could be implemented this upcoming season, or if it already is, and I just read that weird, it's, yeah. Is this a good thing or a bad? Are people for this or are people against it? Now, to some people, there's not a lot to complain about. And to some people, what ain't broke, don't fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm not I don't think the f- current playoff system's bad. I don't think the current NFL playoff system's terrible at all. I don't really think it needs change to be honest. But to the common fan you're like, "Oh man, we get football six football games over a weekend." Oh, that's awesome. More football. Which technically it's the same amount of games, but a different format. So you're going to be seeing what's good for fans Again, the six football games over a weekend. Your team now has a better chance of making the playoffs because there's a whole other spot in there. But that could be a bad thing because we could be seeing a lot more seven and nine teams make the playoffs this year. And if your team is also the best team in football, you get the number one overall. But you get the a first round bye. You're the only team with a bye, which puts more emphasis on getting that number one overall seed in the playoffs. So this year, the Ravens and 49ers would have had the, been the only teams with first round buys. The Chiefs and the Packers, SOL, get out of here. So are people for this or are people against it? Now, I don't really see a problem with the current system we got right now. Maybe that's just – maybe there is stuff to hate, and I don't I don't know. But I don't really hate it. So I don't really get why changing it. Now, I know I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. I just don't get it. It doesn't really need to happen. This is the NFL, again, being typical NFL. It's all about making the money. 
get more playoff games at a specific time. I'm again now. I'm not against this. I don't think it needs to happen, but I'm not against it. I'm against the 17 game season. I don't like that. And yes, I am a huge football fan. Football is my favorite sport. I've loved football my entire life. I played football my entire life. So by that, it should be. I want to watch more football, as much football as possible. But it do, it I don't want it to happen because we're already concerned about player safety, and I don't think adding games would be the smartest choice for this. I don't think adding a 17th game is good for the league. Yes, money-wise, yes, the 17th game is perfect. And the NFL and people in, the, in charge of the NFL are really pushing towards that 17th game. But I'm not really for this 17th game. I'm not. It doesn't need to. And 17 games is weird. Ending the season on an odd number just feels weird. Like 16 games, 12 games in college football. Like it just feels weird to have a 17th game. That just sounds weird. Because you need to have dump up to 18 games. Because ending a season on an odd number just feels weird. I don't like it. That's just a personal preference. So now we're getting. A new playoff format with probably gonna it's probably gonna happen regardless. The seventeenth game. This is about player safety versus money. And the NFL, as we've known for the better part of its existence, is about the latter, the money side of it. They preach player safety, but really care about the money side of things. That's the whole seventeenth game type deal. Because if we were about player safety, we wouldn't be adding games. That's just what I'm thinking. The players don't want an extra game. The A lot of players in the NFL have been very vocal about not wanting to play that 17th game. A lot of people are fine with 16 games. I'm fine with 16. I'm fine with the way it is right now. I don't really see a need to change it. More football, more football. But we're going to preach player safety, then add games and the playoff fixture that thing that's not really affecting the amount of games played it's the same amount of games you're just adding an extra team into the playoffs that's not really changing the amount of games played but the 17th game as you know adds an extra game now logan it's just an extra game what's the hurt it could do a lot of things could hurt people, could cause pain to people. You might see backups play, because like we saw this year, or with most seasons, with the team locked up a playoff spot, we might see a lot more backups start to play. Players don't want to get hurt. We might see players sit out. I don't know. I'm just speaking in hypotheticals here, and you know how much I hate hypotheticals, but I'm going to talk in it anyways. But it's just going to be – it's weird. We're in a weird time in the NFL where we're trying to make as much money as possible which the NFL doesn't need to make a lot of money. Doesn't need to, because it's the biggest sports entity in the world. Like, money in league-wise. Soccer and baseball are arguably way bigger in the grand scheme of things of sports, because they're worldly played and worldly watched. The NFL and American football is just in America. You got Canadian football... Uh, they're trying to force it down the throat of England people, but they don't care about so- or football, American football. Uh, that's another thing. We talked about that last semester with the Chargers potentially moving out the, the London. That is the dumb. I hate 
I do not. So we're talking about different levels of not liking something. I don't care for the new playoff system, so I don't think it needs to change. I don't like the 17 play game thing. Yes, it's more football, but if we're talking about player safety, we don't need to add an extra game. And then I'm not. I am fully against moving a team to London because when you watch those games in London or wherever they play them, because most of the games are in London, but they might move them somewhere else as well. The guys there are not fans of that franchise. You see Browns jerseys, you see Chargers jerseys, you see Broncos jerseys, Colts jerseys, Patriots jerseys. You'll watch a rivalry game between the LA Chargers or the London Chargers and the Oak, the Las Vegas Raiders, an, a historical NFL rivalry, and now playing in London with the stadium half filled with random teams in the NFL. Some people are just there to just see what American football is. We don't need to force it down the throat of England people, the English. They don't really care about American football. People are going to go because they're all interested to see what it is, but no one's a fan, like a diehard fan. I mean, there's some, obviously. But keep it here. If you're going to expand to other countries, why not keep it in the two places that are right next to our current country? With Canada and Mexico. Maybe expand there. We play a game in Mexico every single year. Now I get that stadium's not great, but that's what I would do. There, the NFL is just doing a lot of weird things that not a lot of people are for, and it's kind of ticking a lot of people off. I don't like the London thing. I think that is very stupid. I would hate if that actually happened. I hate that it's getting talked about as much as it is. I don't like the 17-game thing. And I could care less about this new playoff structure. Now, maybe it's awesome. Maybe it's sweet. But then we see the 7-9 Tampa Bay Buccaneers waddle up to the playoffs with Jameis Winston with a 40-20 and 20 season because he's got LASIK, so he's not going to throw 30 interceptions again. We would expect 40 touchdowns, 20 picks this time. Waddling up to the playoffs, eating Ws as they came second in the division and finished 7-9. and nine. So... It, We'll have to wait and see. We'll have, we'll have this. There's already people that don't like the playoff structure because of the win division, like the Eagles hosting the Seahawks. Like, a lot of people don't like that. I understand that because in no world should this Eagles be hosting the Seahawks in playoff. It's like the one with Beastquake, with the 79 Seahawks hosting the Saints. Like, it doesn't, that shouldn't happen. The Saints were like 10 and 6, 11 and 5 that year. Why would they be going to Seattle, to 7 and 9 Seattle? So I get where that part's from, but. They're not changing that in this playoff. They're just adding another team. So this is kind of diminishing the meaning of playoffs. Because now basically half the teams in the NFL are going to the playoffs. There's 32 teams in the league. Half the teams, half the league is 16. We're at 14 teams now in the playoffs. So we do this. Like the World Cup. Like when they were talking about expanding the World Cup. Like you're diminished. The whole point of the World Cup is that it's hard to get to. You don't want 48 teams in the World Cup. Then you're going to get teams like China in the World Cup. China is not a good soccer team. <laughs> Their national team is garbage. You're giving them the opportunity to go to the World Cup, which, again, much like the NFL, FIFA, all about the money. So China, very much populated. India, very much populated. would go to the World Cup every year with a 48-team World Cup. We're diminishing that aspect of it. Or allowing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to go to the playoffs, man. Not that I'm not saying that that won't that will happen, but it could very much could. 
But I don't know. We'll probably post a poll on something about it later. If you like the new playoff structure, if you could care less, if you hate the new playoff structure, whatever. If you want the league to go to 17 games or not, whatever. I don't know. If you want a team in London for whatever reason, I'm not going to post that one because you're. I don't think you should talk if you believe that should happen. <laughs> so we all agree the L.A. move was a disaster to the Chargers, but if you want to talk about it, make it a disaster exponentially worse, move the Chargers to London. That's not fixing any problems. That's causing way more problems you already got. Jeez. Yeah, the Chargers move to Los Angeles was an absolute utter failure, but moving into London is not going to solve anything. It's going to create so much more problems. So the NFL, sort your stuff out. I don't know what that what else needs to be said about that. Just sort it out. Get it all figured out. So I'm I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe like the first thing I was talking about. Maybe I'm just being crabby. Maybe I'm being cranky. Maybe the 17 game is awesome. Maybe the new playoff structure will be sweet and it's awesome, way better than the old one. And maybe the Chargers moving to London would be perfect for growing the league. We're gonna throw a team in China and Japan and India next. And whatever. We'll wait and see on the whole that whole aspect of it. But we're gonna take a quick break right here, the last break before we close out the show. The combine officially starts this weekend. But the activities actually take place next week. We got XFL Week 3 coming up. Talk about all of that coming up right after the break.
Listen, my life changed because someone was there to get me to use drugs. No one can understand. People think that having someone who will listen makes it better. I need help. I'm listening. I need help. I think that having someone who will listen makes it better. People understand. No one can get me to use drugs. My life changed because someone was there to listen. Go to heretolisten.com for tips and tools to turn addiction around. Brought to you by the Ad Council. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to sell all your belongings and live in a commune. These dungarees belong to all of us now, Tom. You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman! You just need FeedThePig.org. Don't get left behind. Get tips and tools at FeedThePig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Text, tweet, Facebook, smoke signals? It doesn't matter how you tell a friend that KULT plays everything, as long as you tell them. 94.5 KULT, everything you and I. right here on this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman show and I've gone on Twitter during the break and I have I have more information in regards to the whole CBA playoff thing and um this is from Mike Garofolo from NFL Network he said playoff expansion is pretty much tied to CBA approval so likely no expansion this year if players don't approve the deal 17th game would be an international game for every team would be a cap on total international games Teams would now be able to activate a third player off IR during the season. Teams would shuttle a few players from the practice squad, which expands to 14 players in 22, to active roster and back without having to waive them. Though player discipline for off-field violations would be heard by a neutral arbitrator, appeals would go through the commissioner. The league would still conduct their own independent investigation into such matters. So... All the things that nobody wants. <laughs> nobody wants the NFL to do their private league investigations because they never do a good job at handing out punishments for it. They're like very off and on, like extreme for some that's not very. It's like the old adage, punishment doesn't fit the crime type thing. That's how the NFL usually is with like random things. Like there's some things that are very, pun- should be very big. The other things they just turn a blind eye to, like 
physical abusing people. Physically abusing people, you know? Stuff like that. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting development once things start kicking off in this direction. So, we'll have to wait and see. We will have to wait and see. Are you for it? Are you against it? The players aren't for it, as expected. If you go on social media, a lot of players are bashing this whole thing. So, we'll have to wait and see if all of this develops. And next week, or this weekend, I guess, next week is when the real thing actually starts. But the Combine is starting. Players are arriving on Sunday. They're getting their measurements, exam- going through exams, interviews, all of the ni- all of that, the whole nine yards. And then we get to the fun bit. Combine starts next Thursday, like the testing and stuff. On Thursday the 27th will be tight ends, quarterbacks, and wide receivers. The 28th will be kickers, special teamers, off to linemen, and running backs. Saturday it will be D linemen and linebackers. And Sunday, March 1st, it will be the defensive backs. Everybody loves the scouting combine. At least I love the scouting combine. And if I speak, that means everybody likes it, right? Exactly. I'm a world-renowned radio show host. What I say goes. And I like the combine. So everybody likes the combine. I'm interested to see which players do really good. DK Metcalf was amazing to watch at the combine last year. And sometimes, every once in a while, we get that one freak athlete in the combine. Henry Ruggs from Alabama is touted by some to be able to break the fastest 40-yard dash time. So we'll see if he actually does that. That'll be very interesting once he's got killer speed. And we know speed kills in the NFL, speed kills in general. So if he runs that type of 40, he could be going up a lot higher than what people are originally predicting, like the, the 20s range, teens to 20s range. He might be going up in the 10s, like 10 to 15, uh, maybe in the top 10. John Ross got drafted ninth by the Bengals. John Ross is not a talented wide receiver. He wasn't a talented wide receiver in Washington. He was a fast dude. But then he broke the 40-yard dash time and got drafted high. So Henry Ruggs, that might happen with him as well. So teams, if they want him, might want to scooch their way up in the draft if they want to get him. So it'll be interesting. A very good wide receiver draft. So the combine for quarterbacks and wide receivers will be fun to watch. You got Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, we'll see if he actually is able to do anything. We got Jordan Love from Utah State, Justin Herbert from Oregon, Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, Nate Stanley from Iowa. It'll be a fun combine. It'll be a lot of fun to watch the combine. But one league that just went straight into the draft, I don't know if they they didn't do a combine, I don't believe, is the XFL because everything's more extreme in the Extreme Football League. It's not officially called that, but that's what we call it as fans of the XFL. Now, we got week three of the XFL coming up this week. Exciting times around the XFL. So, last week, we'll go through last week's scores before we dive right into this week's games. Uh, the D.C. Defenders beat the New York Guardians 27-0. Seattle Dragons beat the Tampa Bay Vipers 17-9. The Dallas Renegades went on the road against L.A. 25-18. And the Houston Roughnecks, with one of the two most impressive quarterbacks in the league so far, P.J. Walker and Jordan Tamu for St. Louis battled it out 28-24 to was the final there. Houston this week will be taking on the Tampa Bay Vipers, who we have called the worst team in the league ever since week one, or before week one. We knew they were going to be the worst team in the league, so you got Mark Tressman, Aaron Murray, and terrible uniforms. It's a recipe for being the worst team in the league. Aaron Murray was on the worst team in the AAF. It's no coincidence that he's on the worst team in the XFL as well. They'll be playing Houston who is arguably the best team in the entire league. So 
RIP to Tampa Bay. <laughs> we'll have well, thoughts and prayers go out to you with Tampa Bay. But Houston should be able to walk over Tampa Bay in this one. P.J. Walker, best quarterback in the league by far, question mark? I would say so. Him and Cardell Jones battling it out for the two best spots in the league. Cardell Jones currently leads the league in passing yards. But P.J. Walker just some just does some amazing stuff for Houston. Uh, the Seattle Dragons will be hosting the Dallas Renegades. Dallas got a win, road win in their last game. Seattle getting a home win. This is their second home game of the season for Seattle. Uh, I do think Dallas will get a win here. I think Seattle will just play the worst team in the league. I think Dallas just needed to get stuff figured out after week one. I think St. Louis was very much undervalued at the start of the season. Nine and a half point underdogs to Dallas in week one. Showed their real, their real deal. And they take on the New York Guardians. I fully expect St. Louis to win that one. Same thing with Seattle last week. New York went off on a high playing the worst team in the league, giving up like 400 yards of total offense, but the Tampa Bay Vipers just couldn't score in the red zone. By every statistical count, Tampa Bay should have won. They just could not score when they got to the red zone. New York got absolutely schlacked by D.C. last week. Matt McGloin sucked, to say the least, and complained the entire game against D.C. last week. See if he starts this week. See if Marquise Williams doesn't start. North Carolina QB, see if he starts with the Guardians or not. But St. Louis, I fully expect them to win that one. And the D.C. defenders going up against the 0-2 L.A. Wildcats. I think L.A. is better than 0-2. I think they got a talented enough team. They've had close games. But I think D.C. is just one of the best teams. I think them and Houston, this is not just based off record. I think they're the two best teams in the league. I think D.C. is the best team in the league. They got the best defense in the league, in my opinion. I think D.C.'s defense is very, very talented. They, I think they lead the league in turnovers forced this season. That could be wrong, but I believe that's that, I believe that's right. I believe that is right. So I do think D.C. is the best team in the league. Houston, a very close second, but it's, been, it's fun. It's been fun so far, but here are our stats leaders for the XFL this season. Cardell Jones leads the league in passing with 511 yards. Jordan Tamu, uh, second with 493. P.J. Walker, 449. And then there's a steep drop-off from those three. We already knew those three were the best in the league. Unquestionably, the best quarterbacks in the league were those three. Brandon Silvers from Seattle, 308, and Aaron Murray, 231. Rushing the ball, Jones for uh, St. Louis, 129. Smith from Tampa, 125. Jordan Tamo, uh, 109. Cameron Artis Payne with 105 for Dallas. And Patrick with 105 for Tampa. Spruce leads the league in receiving with 192. Ross with 147 from D.C. Williams with 145 in third. Phillips in fourth place, 130. And Eli Rogers from D.C., 122 yards in fifth. Uh, Leading league in tackles is Johnson from Seattle with 18 in sacks. Is Sutton from the New York Guardians. Anthony Johnson just signed, just got traded to the D.C. defenders and is in third in league in sacks, or I guess second with one and a half and 13 players in the league have at least one interception this year. So with the XFL, I noticed something going in from week one to week two. It, and I hate saying this, but it kind of had the same feel as the AAF. In regards to, I wasn't as, I was excited going in, but I didn't have as much fun watching week two as I did week one. And DC dominated New York. Is it the novelty factor of this that, makes people super excited for these leagues and then they eventually fail I don't know because other than the three quarterbacks that we talked about the top and Jones Tamu and Walker 
the rest of the league hasn't seen great quarterback play, which was the same problem that we saw in the AAF. The quarterback play went really downhill. There's no running game in this league. And the little gimmicks or whatever you want to call them that got a lot of people excited, like the kickoff, the kickoff's lame. I'm, I'm sorry for the people that love that new kickoff. That thing's lame. It was pretty interesting to watch week one, but other than that, it's been lame. I don't like the the flag football uh, conversions after touchdowns, like the three, two, and one-point conversions. I don't like that. The Just the gimmicks aren't really working for me anymore. The double forward pass, we've seen one of those this year, and it was on a three-point conversion or something like that against D.C. For D.C., I don't... Like, no one's even trying it. No one. There's been one team that thought a three-point try. The kickoffs don't... Nothing happens. They just... They're five yards apart, so there's nothing exciting to watch. And the kick, the kick returner gets tackled after two yards. The only thing that's exciting about that is if the kicker doesn't give it to the 20, so the ball just goes straight to the opposite 45. That's the only exciting part about that. But I found that out watching week two. I was like, man, this is... I'm not having as much fun. I found myself looking at my phone a lot more than I did week one. And I don't know if that's – I think it's just wearing down. I think it's just – the excitement of having spring football gets a lot of people excited. We already had the, the number of ticket sales already surpassed the AAF, which wasn't extremely hard to do. They were already extremely low numbers anyways. But the gimmicks and the whole thing is just, it's just dying off on me a little bit. Maybe, again, I've said this a, a little bit throughout the show, that maybe it's just me being negative. Maybe that's it. But I don't know. It's not It's not hitting the same that it did earlier. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm losing the kick. The kickoff's losing me. The 3.2, the, the flag football stuff, losing me. But, you know, it's spring football. So we're going to watch it because everyone has... There's a need for football in America. Everybody watches football. At least a vast majority of Americans watch football. It's the number one sport in America for a reason. And we just get excited about the having spring football that we get ultra excited from week one and then it kind of dies down. Now, saying that, I'm still going to watch week three. I'm going to watch the D.C. Defenders. we got the number one D.C. Defender fan club up here in Cedar Falls. So... We have that going, but I don't know. It's losing me like it, like the AAF did. It's exciting for spring football, but I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I mean, we'll defend defend the DMV, of course, as as you do. But I don't know. We'll see how much I think. I was confident this thing would last more than the season. I don't know if it'll make it past the season. I think it will last a season, but how far it lasts after that, I'm not. I'm not hedging my bets on it. So we'll we'll see how it goes as the rest of the season goes. Quarterback play. Pat McAfee said that the other day. Quarterback play needs to improve because that was the problem with the AAF. And if you look at the quarterback stats, there's only three quarterbacks that have really separated themselves, and that's on the three best teams in the league in D.C., uh, Houston, and Seattle, or St. Louis. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think it will last the season, but uh, – after that, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be pushing it. But yeah, defend the DMV. As I said, defend the DMV. So we'll cheer for our defenders. But yeah, we'll see how we'll see how much longer this lasts. But just that's football. So everyone loves it. Everyone loves football. And 
moving off football, we got that stuff's obviously coming up this weekend, but we got other things to talk about that's coming up this weekend. And arguably, or not arguably, it is much, much bigger than the XFL. What? No, that's bigger than the XFL. No, it's Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury Part 2. Now, if you didn't watch the first one, you missed a great, great boxing match. The draw, which was sad, but that led us to getting a number two. Uh, Tyson Fury's been calling out Deontay Wilder pretty much ever since that fight happened, saying he's been running from him. Deontay Wilder's just kind of been chilling. And then he's had two fights since then, knocked them both out, obviously, because he's a knockout machine. But it's going to be a fun one. It is going to be a fun one. One of the biggest title fights in boxing in years. Deontay Wilder is the favorite in the fight, as expected, but it's going to be a fun one. WBC heavyweight title in Las Vegas. How awesome is that? And the MGA Grand Garden Arena, one of the biggest boxing centers in America. Floyd Mayweather's boxed a fair amount of his fights there. <laughs> I think all of his fights pretty much have been in Vegas. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. The card starts at 8 p.m. Central Time tomorrow night. So make sure you watch that. It's going to be on ESPN Plus, Fox Pay-Per-View. It's just going to be everywhere. Just watch it. Wilder Fury, obviously the last match. You got Charles Martin against Gerald Washington in a heavyweight battle. You got Emmanuel Navarte versus J.O. Semitisma, who will be battling for the WBO Super Bantamweight title. So we got that one. Sebastian Fudora versus Daniel Lewis in the junior middleweight. Amir Iman versus Javier Molina in the junior welterweight. And Subrel, Subriel Matias and Petros Ananian battling for the junior welterweight title as or just junior welterweight class. It's going to be a fun night. So I would fully recommend tuning into that Wilder Fury Part 2. I am excited. Growing up, I watched boxing growing up, and it's always fun to watch. A lot of people are starting to lean towards the UFC stuff, but I'm still loving boxing. Now, my fa- I like I like Ty- Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. I'm going for Fury, but I think Wilder will win. But that's just what I'm feeling right now. I'm a big Ter- Terrence Crawford's my guy in boxing. Mick Conlon, another one in there. Historically, Manny Pacquiao has been my guy. But... He's getting older. He's still boxing, but I love watching Terrence Crawford, and I love watching Mick Conlon. But this one, heavyweight, bringing back the heavyweights. Bringing it back. You got these two, Anthony Joshua. Man. Tyson Fury said he's open to fighting Anthony Joshua, but it won't be in England. It will be in Las Vegas. So we'll see if that fight actually ends up happening. Because that's what a lot of people want to see, is Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury. So we'll see if that actually does happen. But, you know, things take forever in boxing to get going. Like, this thing has been wanting... They've been wanting this fight forever, ever since the last fight happened, and they're finally getting it back on the 22nd of February. With that being said, that's all I'm going to do on this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Reminder, you got UNI Panthers men's and women's basketball. The men's team will play on Sunday at 1 at the McLeod Center against Southern Illinois on Senior Day. It'll be a purple out, so if you're going to the game, make sure you rock your purple UNI gear. And if you don't go to the game, still rock your purple, but it'll be on ESPNU. So the whole nation can watch the UNI Panthers 
men's team take on Southern Illinois on senior day. The women's team, they'll be looking to bounce back against Bradley, one of the better teams in the conference, on Saturday at 2. The game will be on ESPN3 if you want to watch it there. Or go to the game again, tip off at 2 at the McLeod Center. So make sure you go to that. And the Iowa State Cyclones, as we said earlier, will take on Texas Tech tomorrow. That game will be at 5, I believe, if I remember right. I'm trying to – I got a lot of things loading right now, so I'm not – I'm trying to keep up with everything. So – yeah, at 5 on ESPNU, Iowa State versus Texas Tech, so make sure you tune in to that one. Should be fun. Make sure you watch the Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury fight. Go watch some XFL football. Go watch some spring training baseball. Go watch some soccer from around the world. Go do whatever because it's the weekend and we can do what we want. And it's going to be a nice weekend, so if you want to go outside and enjoy the nice weather, it's going to be in the plus, the high 40s, so go do that. It should be a very very fun weekend around the cedar valley and around wherever you are right now so go do stuff it'll be fun but that's all i've got for you today on this friday edition of the logan blackman show i will see you guys on monday have a great rest of your day and peace